the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Dow's higher, SP 500's higher, NASDAQ higher, Russell 2000 lower. It's interesting to note because some people think we might have hit a market high recently. A lot of people see unemployment great, inflation low, which is great. Um, jobs market great. Um, autos pretty good. Housing pretty good. Uh, as kind of the litmus test of where we are. We're okay, right? That's the thought anyway. Monday was very, very much so rock and roll as the major indices came back from the weekend Senate's GOP's tax bill. Uh, it rocked up and then it rolled down as the party pooper trade, party pooper trade that broadsided the tech sector weighed on the broader markets. I like it when tech sells off. It's to me, if there's some tech stocks that I want to own, so when it sells off, it's like go on sale. Go further on sale, 10%, 20%, 30%. You're not going to get 30% corrections in companies like Facebook and Amazon, uh, Netflix very often. So we're not there yet. I'm not saying that. Um, Robert Mueller's Russia investigation has cost taxpayers at least $3.2 million so far. That's breaking news. The... Uh, Cena Retail Group, Toll Brothers, they're both trading down sharply today following the disappointing earnings reports. HD Supply Holdings, which is kind of the professional side of Home Depot, is up 6.4% after a positive earnings report. Bank of America's jumping 1% on announcement of a $5 billion share repurchase. MasterCard traded higher after it raised its dividend 14% and announced a new $4 billion share repurchase. I like MasterCard. I like the financials. I like Visa. Um, but I do like the banks still, and even companies like insurance companies, when they take your money and they say, we're going to insure your life, they tend to put your money into investment products that have yields. And the higher the yield in the uh, financial markets, uh, the 10-year treasury and situations like that, the spreads, uh, the more money that they're able to make and pro- be profitable. Trade deficit widened $48.7 billion. Uh, from a recently downwardly revised $44.9 billion in September. The widening deficit was a result of exports being down less than expected. The services index for November it came in with a pretty good reading. So uh, this is all, I'm not going to say background stuff, but it's all pretty interesting. So quick question for me that came in via email was, do you really need to own a hotel rewards card? And I say, why not? Um, a lot of times you get a free stay out of it, and that, that's typically a hotel room, kind of like a investment if, uh, size dollar figure. So 
the best ones out there right now, the Starwood Preferred Guest Program is number one. Uh, World of Hyatt, Hilton Honors, and the Le Club Accords Hotel rounded out the top five. Starwood won, ultimately, the Best Loyalty Rewards Program because of its high percentage of luxury properties, rewarded elite status program, and the vast geographic spread. Um, I have a Star Wars preferred guest, and I'm looking to get a Hilton Honors card um, next year when they introduce a new one uh, in early January or February, it's expected. So, and there'll be some pretty big points tied towards it. So, uh, I'm all about, you know, when you book on a hotel to use the hotel card, when you book flight, use a airline card, or you can use a travel card, which uh, kind of blends both of those with typically about 3% back. But the hotel cards and the flight cards tend to give you higher percentages for your bang for your buck. So all about using re- hotel rewards cards. Gas prices are starting to slip. Now, that's considered good news and bad news, because to you and me, when gas prices slip, we spend less at the pump if you're driving. But the bigger picture idea is that gasoline prices drop when oil prices drop. Oil prices drop when world demand drops. World demand drops when economic activity slows. So gasoline prices in the United States are falling slowly, typically after Thanksgiving, pretty normal. Uh, Drivers should enjoy the current falling prices because they won't be there for long. The national gallon of gasoline cost comes in at $2.46. Oh, I wish. (laughs) California's taxes. Oh, I wish. Demand for gasoline dropped after Thanksgiving as families returned to their homes, ending a yearly road trip season, kicking off the season of lower demand for fuel. All good stuff, in my opinion. Some other stories of note out there. Uh, Starbucks is opening a mega Starbucks. Mega shark versus mega squid. Mega Starbucks. Uh, They're opening a mega Starbucks in... Don't you always hate stories when you're... One thing I hate about Yahoo is you see things that you can't unsee at times in some of their stories. And it's just upsetting, like a uh, 15-point buck. And you're like, that's weird. Or you'll see like a giant mosquito and you're like, ooh. I don't like the giant stuff. I know, right? So Starbucks is opening a 30,000-square-foot coffee palace in Shanghai. Now, again, Shanghai, China, oversized big, huge city, billions of people in the country. Um, so you see the play that Starbucks is trying to go after. So focusing as a company in recent years on improving its digital ordering system, Starbucks is now doubling down on physical coffee shops, particularly in China, where it already has 3,000 stores, is adding more locations at a faster pace than any other country. Um, it's also looking to make ordering coffee an experience, creating shops where people will linger instead of just stopping for a cup of joe, a damn fine cup of coffee. So there's some fancy roastery stores. Coffee can cost as much as $10 in a fancy coffee store. Um, The company's experimenting. Customers can watch workers roast green coffee beans as they're roasted and uh, send them through what's called symphony pipes into silos where hundreds of baristas will turn them into fresh brewed coffee. That's kind of an experience, right? I don't know. Is roasting coffee fun to watch? Uh, Just please, please, please tell me it doesn't turn into a sport. So people hanging out at the China Starbucks can point their smartphones around the room and get an augmented reality tour of the place um, as part of a partnership with Alibaba. And you'd probably want to brag about that on social media, saying, look what I can see that you can't see on your smartphone. Um, So 
it's a pretty smart idea to get people to do some sort of augmented reality experience at a store. And then they post it on Facebook and all their friends say, hey, let's go to China Starbucks. So, um, and every time you, un- every time you see things virtually, you unlock a virtual badge. And once all your badges are earned, you receive a custom roastery filter to commemorate the uh, moment on social media. Pretty smart to go that way. So, and it tells me Alibaba's onto something um, for retail. So, speaking further of um, Starbucks, it's a company I like for the long-term patient investor, never the short-term. Too many things can happen short-term to freak you out, and I don't want you freaked out. Uh, it could rain in Colombia. It could rain in Brazil. Like, that could happen. So Starbucks said that, that one day they could be cashless, but technology won't replace its humanity. So says their executive chairman, Howard Schultz. Uh, he stepped down as CEO. A lot of people think that he's going to run for president at some point in time. Um, but he's basically saying, you know, our reward program on an app is fantastic. And the fact that you preload money into the app um, works out well. Schultz joined Starbucks in 1982 as director of operations and marketing. He served twice as CEO. He turned the post over to a new CEO in April, a guy named Kevin Johnson. They seem to be on to something correct and smart. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Santa Rosa burned down earlier this year. Now Ventura County has its own Southern California wildfire to deal with. There's been at least one death in the evacuation of about 27,000 people so far. It's a wind-fed blaze, which started as brush fire in Steckle Park, north of Santa Paula. It's affected about 31,000 acres. Man, this is something, right? California is on fire this year. Um, one person has died in a car accident tied to the blaze, and one firefighter has been injured, according to a local fire department. State Route 150 has been closed between Santa Paula and Ojai due to the fire. All schools in Ventura Unified School District will be closed. Um, I've driven that road numerous times. It's a whole city of Santa Barbara out of power. The city lost power at the exact same time the Santa Paula lost power, likely Thomas Fire-related. Reporter for the newspaper, um, the Ventura County Star said the prospects for containment are not good. So Mother Nature is going to decide whether they put the fire out and or not. So California is on fire. Yep. (laughs) That's what we're dealing with. Um, Chevron's effective tax rate is about 42%. Uh, GE is about 8%. So when you see the government say they're going to change the corporate tax rate from 35% to 20%. Don't think that's going to be across the board. Some of the highest tax companies in the United States, CVS Healthcare at 38.9%, Monster Beverage at 37.8% taxes, Cisco, which is a trucking company, uh, delivers food, 36.9%. Some of the least taxed companies, um, surprisingly, and I, I, Coca-Cola at 23%, uh, Mondelez, so 13.8%, and Molson Coors at 12.8%. So that's going on. Shares of Snap are turning higher today. Um, and maybe it's put in a bottom when you get an analyst making this type of call. Uh, Barclays. Barclays says that Snap has hit a turning point. 
and they've upped it to overweight from equal weight. They've raised their price target to $18 a share from $11 a share. That implies a 32.7% upside. That's pretty good upside. We've been on the sidelines since the IPO, they say, but feel now's a good time to start accumulating shares. Snap may start hitting or exceeding consensus revenue expectations and accelerating growth in 2018 now that pricing transitions are in their later stages. Snap could benefit from a narrative change away from 2017's Facebook is killing Snap to these companies can coexist a lot like Priceline and Expedia. So far this year, if you bet on Snap, you're down 45%. I use Snap. Um, I don't use any of their extra features. I'm not a big My Story guy or reading the advertisers. But like, if, for instance, if you like the Golden State Warriors, you can go there and you can see like the Golden State Warriors warming up. And you're like, oh. And you've seen some news companies say that they're going to develop content specifically for Snap. So if the millennials and younger who use Snap as the, as the biggest users, if they're not watching TV, TV needs to come to them. And this is a good way of doing it. So in my opinion, that's all the broker advisor for taking action on any stocks mentioned on the show. Um, I think it's always important for me to throw that out there. Bank stocks have had a big move this year. Wall Street's banking on the financial shares, moving higher. Banks and other financial firms have been in rally, rally, rally mode, which is awesome. Um, I've been saying it for about two and a half years, maybe a year and a half too early. Um, But the financial select sector spider fund has rallied about 7% in the past five days. As some people believe that tech stocks are being sold. And they're rotating over to financial stocks. People sometimes will keep money in the market, and that's the idea. Financial companies have been hobbled by stringent regulations and low interest rates, which creates a drag on profits. In the years since 2008, the big financial crisis. Uh, But a lot of these shackles are now being removed by the Trump administration as far as strict regulation. So... The tax cut bill Republicans are pushing to get passed this year would benefit banks' bottom line, as well as you know, gradual interest rates have been rising in the last year and a half uh, by the Federal Reserve have been expected next year to rise, have done very well. Wall Street research firm Cifra last week upgraded its outlook on financials. Lindsay Bell, an investment strategist at the firm, says banks should benefit from a slow improvement in loan growth as well as more interest rate increases under incoming chairman, uh, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell. Uh, Analysts have been raising their 2018 earnings outlook for financial stocks, so growth is pegged at about 15.2% next year, up from 13.4% this year. So earnings expectations rising. Um, Banks are seen as benefiting from a pretty healthy consumer as well out there. Uh, That's, you know, the the funny thing about the healthy consumer is I want to talk about it, and then I go, I can only use me as an example because I don't know you, but I, I feel pretty good. So. Merry Christmas, you wonderful Billy Loon! <sighs> Did he call someone a Billy Loon? I don't know if that's a positive or a negative. So, Facebook is banking right now on some new concepts out there tied towards you. I did not like the announcement yesterday that Facebook's opening up messaging to children, age basically 6 to 12. And uh, right now they're not allowed to have their own account in theory. Facebook's building new tools to help charities and other groups promote social good. 
trying to change the narrative a little bit from fake news to social good. Facebook had its second annual social good forum in New York last week, and the atmosphere was very stark contra- uh, contrast to the congressional committees the company and its social media peers attended in October and November, where politicians, congressmen, grilled Facebook's top lawyer on how it could have let. How could you have let a Russian-sponsored account run wild on the platform in an attempt to uh, influence American politics? Um, I don't have a lot of opinions on that. So I'm not the social opinion guy. I know you're saying, really? I could use a social opinion. You know the scariest story out there for me is student loan debt is now as big as the U.S. junk market uh, of debt. Check. Uh, so student loan debt now equals the size of $1.3 trillion, which is the high-yield corporate bond market. $1.3 trillion. When you write that down, that's U.S. student loan debt. Uh, delinquency rates on student loans are much higher than those on auto loans or mortgages due to loose student loan underwriting standards. You go to college, we'll write you a loan. You want to buy a house, show us your income. Standards are a little bit different. So this is a big scrutiny that we should have going forward. Our student loan debt in America, it is a big, big problem. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare of Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hi, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you. We're cruising towards the end of the year. Uh, what do you expect for the last couple of months? Are we going to get a Santa Claus rally or no? Well, I think, yes, the, uh, the market is, is kind of shaping up here to, to probably have a decent end to the year. Um, I read uh, something yesterday, really, where December has uh, never been the, the worst month on record in a, in a given year. And uh, I guess the worst month so far in 2017 was March, when we were down, I think, four one-hundredths of one percent. So, uh, so if nothing else, I think that uh, the market is uh, in a position to, you know, go sideways, if not slightly higher into the end of the year, because there certainly seems to be a lot of uh, momentum still behind uh, behind the stock market, whether it's uh, a broad-based move or there's a rotational trade, which we've seen of late, of course. Uh, the important thing is that money isn't necessarily exiting the market in, the, in these rotation trades. It's, it's just moving within the market as uh, investors seek uh, value in other areas. I've been talking about interest rates and financial stocks and how they're correlated, that when interest rates tend to rise, bank stocks tend to do well. Today, Bank of America shares are rising after adding $5 billion to uh, buyback. So they've got a buyback. They've got higher interest rates kind of slowly happening. Um, what's your thoughts on, not Bank of America, I don't want to ask specific stocks, but what do you, what's your thoughts on the financial sector right now? Well, you know, financial sector certainly has been the primary beneficiary, uh, along with the transports uh, of this rotation into uh, into value-oriented names. And 
It's driven in large part by the optimism over the tax reform effort and the uh, assumption that a tax cut will lead to stronger economic growth in the year ahead. And so financials should certainly be in a good position to benefit uh, from that if you're seeing stronger levels of economic growth, uh, stronger capital formation activity, you know, stronger loan demand. Uh, these all play into their strengths. Uh, what is interesting, though, is that while uh, long-term rates have come up somewhat from their low, you're also seeing a flattening of the yield curve at the same time because the front of the curve, the two-year note yield, has come up uh, even more sharply. Uh, it's trading at its highs since 2008, and that spread between the two-year note yield and the 10-year note yield is just 56 basis points. And, of course, banks make a business out of borrowing short and lending long. Uh, and as you get that spread compression, though, you could see some impact on net interest margins for the banks. So uh, so the narrative right now certainly supports the banking stocks, uh, but we'll have to see you know, what the actual earnings results uh, suggest in terms of how these banks are benefiting uh, from general business activity. What are some of the other big stories going on right now that you think need to be told in the world of finance? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, tax reform obviously is the biggest story going on right now for the, for the equity market. Uh, it, it's been told in, in many respects. You know, we know that uh, the House and the Senate have both approved their respective versions, and now they're in a conference to try and reconcile those versions and, and ultimately get a bill to the president by Christmas, which is the, the main objective. Uh, you know, you see press reports every day, and understandably so, that suggest that the effort to reconcile the two bills may not be such an easy undertaking uh, when it's all said and done, because there's been, you know, certainly in the Senate, there were a number of concessions made to make sure that they could get to a, you know, 50-vote you know, margin to approve that bill. We're not so sure how that plays out now uh, amongst some of the more uh, budget-minded uh, legislators in the House and even in the Senate. Uh, if if the implication from a uh, a tax bill is that you're going to see potentially see a, a a significant rise in the budget deficit over the 10-year period, so it could get a little bit dicey, but I think that the GOP does understand that, uh, if nothing else, if they need to get some type of feather in their cap as they head into the midterm elections in 2018, uh, they might be more open-minded to a compromise than they were certainly around uh, the effort to repeal the Affordable Care Act. Good stuff. Um, Speaking of that tax plan that probably should happen, um, is that priced in the stock market at this point in time if you were a guessing man, not a betting man, but a guessing man? Uh, I'd say no, uh, and, okay. and here's the reason why. Um, there's certainly been some premium uh, surrounding the, the tax reform effort, and you know, and you can say that just from the, from the very simple standpoint that you don't have a bill yet, but just the headline that suggests you're moving toward a tax reform bill. Uh, you've seen the stock market react quite strongly uh, in the last couple weeks to to those headlines. But why I say that I don't think it's fully in here yet is that the understanding is is if you were to get tax reform and a, and a cut in the corporate tax rate to 20%, you know, we're seeing estimates out there uh, that S&P 500 earnings growth could be, you know, roughly 8 to 12% higher uh, than it is currently projected to be. So 
you have a market right now uh, that trades at about an 18 uh, multiple on forward forward earnings here. Uh, and if you were to see that, let's call it 10% increase in earnings, uh, you would see an instant contraction in that multiple down to about 16, 16 and a half times earnings. And so we already know that the market has resigned itself uh, to being somewhat comfortable to a premium multiple around 18 times, so long as interest rates stay you know, relatively low. Well, interest rates are still relatively low, and if you were to see, uh, uh, you know, the increase in the earnings estimates for 2018 match those uh, um, those high expectations, uh, the market, if it were to then go back to an 18 multiple, would be trading in the neighborhood of around 2,900. So, uh, so we think that. There will be grounds for justification for this market to rationalize further upside based on the tax plan uh, if that ultimately comes to fruition. So speaking of some stories out on Wall Street, in your page one column that I read each and every morning at briefing.com, you mentioned Regal Entertainment has agreed to be acquired by Cineworld, the UK's largest cinema operator for $5.9 billion. Is that a merger and acquisition that's, I'm going to say, on the sexy... Can that lead to more mergers and acquisitions? Are we in a merger and acquisition environment? Because we've seen Time Warner and CNN, or Time Warner and AT&T kind of like shut down this year. Uh, what's your thoughts on mergers and acquisitions at the end of the year and going into next year? Yeah, I think um, you know, a pickup and M&A activity could be one of the main themes in, in 2018, uh, particularly since, uh, let's just, again, assume that you get this tax bill passed uh, and you you see you know, lower pre- repatriation tax rates, um, lower tax rates in general that uh, help bolster you know, the cash flow for these, uh, for these companies. Uh, you know, we are in a, in a business environment right now where operating efficiency is, is at a premium, and so is the ability to, uh, to continue to attract customers with relatively low prices. And, uh, and I think what you're going to see, though, is, is companies look to uh, be- become more efficient by you know, acquiring other companies uh, so that they can um, try to get some pricing power, if you will, by taking on increased market share. And, and they'll have the means to do these acquisitions uh, because they have some very lofty stock prices in a number of cases, uh, but they're also armed with a whole lot of cash. And so uh, I think that the backdrop, if you're going to see improving economic activity, not only in the U.S., but around the globe, uh, does support the opportunity for increased M&A activity uh, because a lot of companies are going to be in pretty strong financial position to, uh, to make that happen with the ultimate goal in mind to be more efficient from an operating standpoint. All good stuff. Um, heading into 2018, one of the stories that is, I think, the story behind the stock market, I try to boil it down simply, is the jobs report. Every first Friday of the month, it's something I tune into briefing.com to see what the numbers look like. Um, I look for wages and a couple other things, but I really look for the jobs, unemployment. Um, is it as good as it gets there at this point in time? Well, I don't... I don't think it necessarily is. You might be probably close to it. Uh, you certainly, you know, below the the bounds of full employment that uh, you know the Fed, you know, has projected. Um, but there's still some slack out there in the labor market, and 
you know, you're, you're starting to hear more and more, though, about companies having difficulty finding, you know, filling skilled positions there, uh, which that could ultimately lead to higher wage inflation, which is, which is really the key component right now that the market is missing. Uh, it understands that non-farm payroll growth has been very solid for a long time now, that the unemployment rate is low, but now it's waiting for that pickup in inflation on the wage side because that's going to create a whole new uh, um, scenario if you were to see wage-based inflation flow through to then uh, higher you know, general inflation because that invites the Federal Reserve into the mix and this uh, notion that you've been able to support a premium multiple on low interest rates starts to come into question if you, if you see interest rates move up uh, based on concerns about inflation and the Fed's efforts to, uh, to keep inflation in check. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. I start my day every day when I look at Wall Street, which is pretty much so every day, uh, by going to Briefing.com. I've been working with them for 15-plus years. I've been using their service long before I got them, him as a guest. Um, really good stuff, really good content, good insights into what's happening in America as far as investing goes, as well as domestic and international stock markets. So good stuff. Bank stocks are on fire at this point in time. They're the sector that's leading the markets higher. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I kind of believe we're at a time where we might be at peak media. Not sure if you believe that and or not, but I do. These are concepts that we like. I like to talk to you about on the show as investment ideas. I like buybacks. Bank of America's shares are rising after adding $5 billion to a buyback. They're buying their own $5 billion of their own shares. That's a lot going in your direction. A lot going in your direction. Um, upstream, so to speak, as far as investors go. I do like Bank of America. So um, do consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks mentioned on the show. Uh, but Bank of America shares have risen 31% this year. So based on the slowly creeping higher interest rates. Uh, still, some room to, still some room to grow, but I'll let you decide what's appropriate and or not appropriate for you. Speaking of appropriate, the tax bill cometh. CFP Chad Burton, let's talk to him. He does a show from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. here Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and a best of on Fridays from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. here on AM 1220 KDOW. He also has a podcast. You can find out more about that at newfocusfinancial.com. But here he is talking the financial plan and tax plan. Right now, people can take $75,900 plus their itemized deductions and that money is going to be taxed at a 15% or less bracket. Under the House bill, that 15, the 10% bracket goes away. The 15% bracket goes away, and now there's this expanded 12% bracket, anywhere from zero to almost $90,000. So a little bit of a, a, a gain in that lower income. It's a huge gain for people in retirement that are drawing from their IRAs. If and when the package is passed, I'll do a whole show on some of the changes that you'll make. Now, the the House bill does simplify the tax brackets. There's only four. There's a 12, a 25, a 35, and a 39.6% bracket. And if you look at what would be considered upper income in California... It's not a tax break in any way, shape, or form. Don't let anybody tell you that it is. 
The only way it would be is if you're kind of this passive real estate investor corporation that might qualify for some sort of a pass-through entity, which most wouldn't. If you're a high-income earner in California, you're going to pay more in taxes, plain and simple. The only caveat would be is if you've been getting killed with AMT taxes, maybe it's a bit of a wash for you. I don't know. It's, it's really difficult to say. But when you keep hearing these, oh, it's a big tax break for the wealthy, that's not the case. And I cannot stand this tax package in any way, shape, or form, but that's, that's not the case. Um, the Senate bill is far from simplification. It just kind of changes the tax bracket. Um, it lowers the rate on about $2,000 of income and about 3% for the 15% bracket. It's, it's really, it, there's no simplification of it at all. Now, let's look at some of the other main differences of these two packages, because the House Senate or the House version of the bill wanted to cap the interest deduction on mortgages to five hundred thousand. The Senate bill does not. The House package wants to cut corporate taxes to twenty percent immediately. The Senate bill does not. They don't want to do anything until twenty nineteen. The both bills though drops most state and local tax deductions off of your return for itemizing your deductions. And that's difficult for any states that have high state income taxes like California and Oregon. Okay, the House bill does have, like I said, fewer individual tax brackets. The Senate bill does not. Both versions increase the child tax credit. The pass-through rate for the House is lower for... I mean, that's, like I said, kind of pass-through entities. Look, if you have a, an S-corp and it meets certain criteria... Some of that income that you take currently as your distributions will be taxed at a lower rate, but you won't be able to take as much as a distribution. You might have to take more as wage and less as a distribution. The Senate bill doesn't have any of that. Now, this is a big one, which I, I mean, it just blows my mind why anybody would do this. The House bill takes away medical deductions. So think about that. Think about your your yourself if you're in your 70s, 80s, 90s, and you need help in the home. I've got one client who is 91 years old. She takes uh, she has $10,000 a month in in-home health care costs. She saved well. Her and her husband both did, and she's able to basically offset IRA income, $10,000 a month, because of the medical expenses. She'll pay more in taxes. She will pay more in taxes as a result of the House plan. The Senate plan, luckily, does not get rid of the medical expense deduction. So hopefully that stays because retired people are already getting hurt. They're already getting hurt by low interest rates. So to take away any deductions for retired people, just it's just ridiculous, especially on the medical side. There's permanent changes in expensing rules for the House, but not the Senate. Uh, both bills raise the standard deduction. The idea is that, you know, kind of itemizing should be a thing of the past, and we should get more of a simplified tax bracket. Um, so I get the idea of eventually doing that if it's part of a well-thought-out package. The House bill repeals the state taxes. The Senate does not. The House bill repeals AMT tax. The Senate bill does not. The House bill repeals the health care mandate. The Senate bill does not. 
Um, under the House plan, tax cuts are permanent, while the Senate plan is not. So there's a lot of work to do here. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 